0: What's going on, thinkers? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, Thoughts by the Village of Podcast. It's another What You Doing Wednesday, and today I have a guest with me. I was reading over her profile, and it has all types of titles, like minister, spoken word artist, author. I don't even know when she sleeps or eats. She's got so much going on. Today I got with me Starla Carr. How you doing?
1: I am doing great. Thank you for asking.
0: Thank you for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, so... I've given a lightweight introduction. How about you You give your introduction to the people? Tell us a little bit about you.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Um, okay, so I like to do things uh, just blatantly and not Mm-mm. sugarcoat.
0: <laughs> yeah, go for it.
1: So I'm going to give you a little history because I think it will give listeners uh, a greater insight than me just listing off a bunch of stuff that I do. All right. In my 20s, I had planned on being the next rapper, the next female rapper. And um, I was with two different groups, and we were on our way to stardom, so I thought. Mm. And um, what happened was, (laughs) I have always been a lyricist. Um, And a poet, and it's just something that comes natural for me. And this was a way for me to utilize my talents in rapping. Mm. And and then I realized that I was not going to ever, probably ever get paid for what I do. Wow. So after some um, very disheartening um, hip hop shows.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've been there. I've been there.
1: Yeah, after that, I was like, you know what? My father was encouraging me to go to college. And I was like, um, uh, yeah, I think I want to go to college. And mostly what I do is writing. It's anything that has to do with words. Uh, I, I like to say I make the words work. And so um, I was really frustrated with myself. And I, and I reached a pivotal point in my life where I was like, you need to make a decision. Like, are you gonna be the next rapper or are you gonna get paid?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, um not to cut you off, but I, I interviewed a little while ago, uh, Mac 100 of Mac 100 Engineering, and Ooh, we had okay. a conversation about music. and He was like, you know, everybody wants to be the rapper, everybody wants to be the star, but they don't realize that the engineer is the only guy that gets paid every time the studio's open.
1: That's right. Absolutely. He's 150% correct on Because
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> we paid a whole lot of engineers. Yeah. Uh, so I went to college and after college and my career kind of hit its stride, I was like, okay, I think I need to make space for words again. Because mm-hmm. I had just stopped writing. I was so disheartened with the whole thing. And um, I actually... Met up with a group from um, Kansas City. That's where I'm from. And the women that I met with, it was an open mic night. Mm-hmm. And something in my heart was like, just go, you know, see what it's about. So I went and I did one of my poems. And I became really good friends with the ladies who owned the bar. Um, I'm also a lesbian. And these ladies that own the bar, this place was a... Um, it was more of a cafe than it was a bar, but it was like a place where a lot of LGBT artists come hang out, drink coffee, Mm -hmm. you know, they had open mic nights. And when I became friends with the ladies, um, that owned this particular space, they asked me to host the open mic nights. And I was like, sure, I'll do that. And so that really started fueling my writing again. Um, We had a small group, probably not more than 15 people on most nights. But then sometimes we'd get up to 40, 50 people on other nights. But um, one thing I learned is that all artists, sometimes we're we're shy about our art. And so I ended up doing a whole lot of reading. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting thing that a lot of people don't get. A lot of artists are introverts. And mm-hmm. you'll be doing things with uh, that involve you having to be in front of people, or performing mm-hmm. in front of people, or speaking in front of people. And at the end of the day, it's like you really don't want to be up there in front of people. So
2: right.
0: a lot of people don't get that. I, I get. A, I went through that myself when I was trying to do music. And um, mm-hmm. even with the podcast, and I was I recorded podcasts, and I didn't want to publish because <laughs> I I didn't want anybody to hear. You know.
1: Well, we fear judgment of other people. Um, we fear the power that's within our art. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like Erica Badu said, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive.
0: <laughs> exactly, I'm sensitive about my shit.
1: i <laughs> sensitive about my stuff. <laughs> what it did for me was, um, one, I didn't want people to come every week to open mic night and then there's me reading the same poem every yeah. night. So it really forced me out of my comfort zone to write more and, um, you know, if it wasn't nothing but one poem, I made sure that it was something new that people could come out and enjoy. And um, I did that for like two years. And um, it, it kept going. It kept going. Um, I finally got to the point where I was like, I need to write a book. Like, mm. I got to this day, where I'm sitting right now to my left side, I've got two huge stacks of notebooks. Um, things that I've written, and as that artist, you know, I'm like, eh, it's not so great.
0: <laughs> yeah, not this one. Maybe the next one. This one,
1: yeah, right?
0: <laughs> or you have that pile, that pile of unfinished.
1: It's completely,
0: oh, it's completely finished, but to you, it's unfinished. This, I'm not done with this yet.
1: Yes, yes, I have still that pile.
2: <laughs>
1: but <laughs> what happened was, I was like, I gotta like make something, because I felt like it was just wasting, you Mm -hmm. know, and um, so I wrote my first book in 2009, and it was a collection of different ideas that I had. Uh, That book is called Privileged Conversations. Um, It's an interesting book, but I'm not even here to talk about all that one. I mean, it's a thing, like, if you wanted to Google it, you could find it, but I don't encourage anyone to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Because, well, I learned, that was my lesson book. Mm. That was my introduction into the publishing world. And I made a ton of mistakes um, that I learned from. So while it's a thing and it exists, um, and I am proud of it, it has a ton of errors. And then that reverts me right back to our discussion about artists not feeling like their work is good enough.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so um but it was a part of my journey and I try to learn from everything in my journey. So I kind of got the bug. It was like, oh I published this. Now I got this whole stack of stuff. Let me see what else I can publish.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: You you're over that hump of of I did it once, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the hardest thing is to get the first of whatever you're doing done and out there
1: absolutely yeah that was a huge challenge and so um but i was really proud i'm proud of that book i am and um even though it was kind of a lesson and i got caught up i believe in a publishing scam a lot of people don't understand that most of these self-publishing companies are scams really yeah they want your money and they don't give you anything in return
0: (laughs) So if you wouldn't mind yeah. for the for the educational purposes of the listeners, expound on that a little bit. What like what they would be money happy. and then what nothing would happen or
1: Right. Well this this is exactly how it went. I started looking for somebody to publish my book once it was written.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I called this company, um, am I allowed to say the company name? If you want to. Okay. Ex Libris, them people. Um, <laughs> I just called the number and talked to a representative. I said, Hey, I have a book. I wrote it. I don't know what to do with it or how to publish it. You know? And the people were, the guy that I spoke with was extremely friendly. He said for $6,000, we can publish your book right now. Mm. I was like, uh, hold up. First of all, I don't have $6,000. And yeah, no thank you. So, um, hung up the phone. And then about 30 days later, the same gentleman called me back and he goes, are you ready to publish? And I'm like, not for $6,000. I'm not. (laughs) And he goes, well, for $3,000, we can publish you today. And so I thought about it and I was like, that's a big jump.
0: Yeah. You know, it's 50% off.
1: Like, I already knew it was game, but I was like, hmm. Said, okay, since he didn't come down, uh, let me just say no again and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So uh, literally 30 days later, he called me and he goes, for $1,500, <laughs> <laughs> we can publish your book today. And so I, t- I could tell over the phone that this was j- African American gentleman. And I just said, baby, first of all, you're going to have to be frank with me. What is the deal? We went from 6,000 to 1,500. Um, what's the game plan here? And he told me very frankly that I can publish my book for about $300. Mm-hmm. And he said, but as a company, if we can get you to pay 6,000,
0: why wouldn't we'll- we tell you that?
1: <laughs> you know, and I, and look, I don't knock anybody's hustle, but, you're not going to hustle me, right? Mm-hmm. what I thought. So I told him, I said, you know what? I said, that's all well and good, but 1500 is still steep. And he goes, okay, I understand. Hung up the phone. This same man calls me back <laughs> with the low, low offer of only $600. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I could do 600 You know, it's my first book. I don't know what to do with it. So I'm going to give you my book for 600 What do I get for $600? So he ran off a list, and this is pretty much every self-publishing company I found. Um, the list is, we'll give you an author page on our website. We'll list you on Amazon. We'll list you on Barnes & Noble. And, um, we'll, you know, we'll do all this for you and put your book out there. And then, you know, that's it. I said, okay, I did absolutely everything myself. Wow! I, I, I had to come up with the own cover for my book. Um, I did not pay for editing because at the time I couldn't afford it, which was an add on service. Um, they put the book together, they printed it, but I had no control over my royalties. And um my book cost twenty-two dollars, and it's a very small book. Um, I was not able to establish the price point for my book. Uh I paid for my own copyrights, like they did nothing but print the book. Wow. And apparently that's what most of these self-publishing companies do, and is as much money is they can get out of you, that's exactly what they'll do. Um, of course, I'm sure for $6,000, I might have had my cover.
0: <laughs> yeah, they might have be been able to deal, deal a little more.
1: Right, you know, a little bit more work. But what I realized is that you actually can publish your own books. Um, you don't need a publisher company. You don't need that company to do the things that you need to do to get a book out into the world. And um, a lot of them are scams. They're taking advantage of people who are vulnerable, who don't know any better. And you need literally four things to publish a book. You need a book. You need to write something. Mm -hmm. You need editing. um, You need somebody to look at it and make sure that it reads correctly and that it's uh, grammatically correct. You need a cover for your book. And you need a platform to sell your book. And, well, and copyright. So one more thing. But those things you can do yourself, and they're not hard, they're not difficult. Um, it's a learning curve, but uh, social media platforms have streamlined that process, and you can do it for 300 on your own and never ever touch or need a publishing company.
0: Yeah, and that, that's why I asked you to, uh, you know, kind of give us a little teach, teachable moment right there because a lot of times we end up paying someone to do something because they have the information and we don't, we are really paying for the convenience of not knowing how to do what we, what we're trying to do. When, um, you know, like you said, I had, I had heard someone say that before. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about how they did their book pretty much. Like you said, they were able to do it all their self and paid some guy to, on Fiverr to put it together like twenty bucks or something or paid him a little something to and all he did was record it. He didn't even write it. He recorded him talking right. and sent it over to the guy and the guy transcribed the whole book for him. Mm-hmm. And, so yeah, so back to the uh uh to your story. I didn't mean to take you off of the off the mm-hmm. track.
1: That was great. Yeah. I'm all about the education. So absolutely if it saves somebody um six thousand dollars.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm
1: oh, all for that. So um that was two thousand and nine that I wrote that book. And then um about six years ago, and I and I've still been writing that whole time. Um six years ago a friend of mine who's a pastor asked me to help her write her book. And I thought okay, I, you know I got time, I could do it. So I put together a book for her. And then um, it just snowballed. It was like she recommended me to somebody as a ghostwriter. And I was like, okay, I, you know, made up a freelance contract. And, you know, I did that for other people. At the same time, I was still writing my own things. And then came um, my first ever poetry published book. Um, It is titled, Who Molested My Elephant?
0: Who Molested My Elephant?
1: (laughs) Which is a title that I got that would not let me go, so I had to use it. Um, If you're an artist, you can understand how some things grab you and don't let you go until you utilize them. And that was why the title is what it is. Um, But it, it was... It, who Molested My Elephant as a collection of poetry was stuff that was sitting in those notebooks mm-hmm. um, that I was holding on to for a long time. And the thread that tied everything together was about how people in the world utilize other people, not for the beauty, not for the artistry, but for what they could take advantage of.
2: hmm
1: And so every single poem in that book really talks to taking advantage of and honoring the fact that I think the song goes, everybody plays the fool. Yeah. Um, And I think that it's just true that at some point in your life, you were vulnerable and somebody molested your elephant. (laughs) Somebody took advantage of you and they didn't want you because you know, they saw you as a majestic creature.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: they really wanted to take away from you what is important to you.
0: So the, the, the elephant kind of represented like your, your, your talent or your worth.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Um, and the image that kept coming to me was of poachers mm-hmm. who kill elephants for their ivory. And um, it is truly a molestation of the soul when you have people in your life who do nothing but take away and don't contribute. Yeah. You know, so that, that was one of the, that was the major theme of that book of poetry. And um, I just wanted to, to get that out. You know, it felt good to get it out, to write it, um, to have it published and... So that's where I ended up with my first ever poetry book which seems crazy to me that it took that long to do it but you know it's a thing now so I'm happy about that.
0: Well, congratulations on it on that. Thank you. Sometimes you I like to always say sometimes you got to walk down the hill you know it sometimes it it takes you a little while to get there but once you're there man it's it's a beautiful thing.
1: Absolutely. It does. And you have to honor the struggle, you know, because I hear, and I do it, I do it too all the time. People complain about the struggle and complain about the pain and the traumas and the things that we face on a daily basis. And when I, like myself, I live at the intersection of black, lesbian, um, woman, like all of these marginalized intersections. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I got a lot to complain about, (laughs) and I try to utilize my words and my poetry to not only heal, but to stand up for other marginalized people. Um, It's always about that for me and telling our stories so that there isn't a gap in the literary world because um, Nikki Giovanni, which I hope people are familiar with, um, is a poet and she comes from the renaissance era of poetry and writing Mm. for black artists and she is probably one of my most favorite top 10 people as far as writers are concerned and I listen to a lot of her lectures and speeches and I have some of her books and one thing that listening to her has taught me is that whatever it is that you have within you that is art and art is huge and it's subjective and it's, you know, sometimes it's messy and it's not pretty. Um, but whatever that you have in you, just like I was talking about earlier, you got to let it out at some point. Um, it, it, you're still an artist if you don't share it with anybody, but that's the whole point, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Eventually, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta get it out there and, let it be beneficial to people, or you kind of did your, not only yourself, but the people that it could have helped, you did them a disservice, because you had all of this this energy, or all of this information, or whatever you consider it, that you could have blessed the world with, and you held it on, held it all to yourself, you know, it's kind of, would be kind of a selfish move, you know, for all that to be just, I don't want to say wasted. I don't like the way that sounds, but it's, it will kind of be wasted if you never let it out. You know, you never know whose life you could have changed, especially like you were saying, from your standpoint, to um, being a lesbian and black and female, it's so many people that you probably have a message for that you can, that you could get out there, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Now, yeah.
0: uh, a, a side question. Being that you are lesbian and black and female, do you feel lately that there has been cause someone uh one of my friends who happens to be um a gay man told me that he feels like society like media wise and so on and so forth and entertainment is kinda he feels they're pandering towards the 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 do you use the term L B G T Q Yeah you know he feels like they're pandering towards that community. Like they're trying to, they're just they're trying too hard to show that they're allies or that they're being supportive. Do you feel that, that way? Or what do you think about the, the state of how it is right now?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Thank <laughs> you, Kelly. Uh, well, I, personally, I'm ready for everybody to take a, a backseat any who anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, they could be pandering but what I see is that lanes are being opened that have previously been closed Mm -hmm. Um, I look at Lena Waithe and she's now a producer, actress Um, you know our stories are everybody's story like I don't get up in the morning and think oh I'm so gay today like (laughs) how can I promote my gayness in the world? Like, I don't wake up thinking that. I just think I'm waking up, I gotta go to work, I need breakfast, I gotta have coffee. Like, our stories are human stories. Um, Now, we do have some challenges and we do have some obstacles that other people may or may not face. And I think it's important that in storytelling, whether it's any type of media, that you represent everyone. Yeah, um, I'm here 100% for equality, and we have been underrepresented um, and for a very long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So one, it makes me kind of happy that they are, if you want to call it, pandering mm-hmm. um, pandering to people in the LGBT community um, and and listening to our stories, which are just stories they're just as important as everybody else Um, but there is something very precious and very new about seeing us in the limelight that has me conflicted because I'll give you an example so like I love Billy Porter Like, I just love him. I think that he's being authentically himself. Wearing a dress on the red carpet is a bold statement for a man. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I love the show Pose, and it shows the challenges that our trans community has. Um, But I also, as an activist and as someone who wants equality, it's like, Sometimes I feel like I want those stories to be for us and us only, (laughs) Hmm. which is incredibly selfish, but I have a reason. It's because um, there's one thing that your uh, listeners should know. I like to argue with people. Okay, let me take that back. I like to debate with people (laughs) (laughs) on social media. Yeah. You can, In your nearest local group and I'm the one debating um, because I feel very protective of my community and I knew the minute that Billy Porter comes out in a dress which he's being himself and he has every right to do that or the minute that Lena Waithe gets a divorce because you know we're gay I guess that means we're not supposed to get divorced um, or something happens that's controversial then here come all the critics Yeah, and I'm like, no, no, no. Like they're fine, leave them alone, you know? So it puts me in a position to be more of an activist, which I guess is good, but sometimes those stories and those things, I'm glad that, that social media is recognizing our truths and putting it in a light that is positive but i also know that with that comes the vulnerability of exposing ourselves to people who just really don't like us yeah so i don't know if i answered that question or not i think i did i
0: think you did a, i think you did a pretty good job you know okay. um it's like it's no, it wasn't a right or wrong answer you know it's just just an answer and I, I appreciate you sharing that with us Thank you. Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about this uh, piece that you sent me. Okay. Is God a she? Tell us about that.
1: Oh, I'm so happy to talk about that. Okay. So once again, as an artist, I get this idea, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, as a minister, um, I have been really digging in deep into some scriptural and spiritual context about creation story and about Eve and about women in the word of God, and just how society views women in general. And so what I do when I have these ideas is I write about it. And um, this book worked me. It worked me. (laughs) Uh, Because um, the first poem that I wrote was um, I Saw God. And if you'll permit me just to read just a quick little line. Go for it. Um, I saw God in my backyard wandering around so I asked her why she was there and immediately it was like that just that phrase came to me and I couldn't let it go I knew I had to write about it Um, because I think traditionally we have always seen a masculine version of God
2: Mm -hmm.
1: a patriarchal version of God I know like growing up in the church and even though I'm black, like the image that is imprinted upon our brains is, you know, an old white man with a long beard, um, with a cane that's wrapped in a white robe. And that's supposed to be God.
0: Yeah.
1: I really struggled to find a connection with God. If that's who God is. Um, I didn't understand how, for so many years, we can just avoid the feminine aspects and the mother, the nurturer part of God. Mm -hmm. And so I did some digging and exploring and I talked with several female uh, clergy members about their take because I do really wanna be respectful. And I don't want to, um, you know, offend people and what their view of what their higher authority is. Um, But for me, I needed to connect with God in a way that seemed real and honest and to ask questions about God that are real and honest. And, And the images and the things that came to me is what's in the book. So, um, I'm not saying that God is male or God is female. Mm -hmm. That's why I asked the title with the question, Is God a she? Mm -hmm. Because I think we need to open up that lane for all women, all men, all humanity to look past those images that we have imprinted on our brains. That says that God is some old white deity in a sky that you ask things for.
0: Yeah, so. a, I have a, <laughs> this one time f- side story. I, I go down story lane sometimes. Absolutely. Me and my daughter was right. Was driving one day. She's sitting in the back. She's she's probably five, maybe six. No, she was probably around three, four, somewhere up in that area, and um. She says, uh, Dad, how do you pray? Mm. And I say, well, you just you just talk to God, just like you talk to anybody else, and you tell him, you know, whatever it is that you need or whatever it is that you just wanted that you'd like to happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so her being, you know, a t- toddler basically,
2: yeah. she says,
0: God, I really, really want to have a Laguna blue monster high Dog, please. Thank you. <laughs> And I was like, "Wow!" And then she asked me the next question, and it kind of blew my top. She was like, "So, uh, what do I do now? Do I just wait? This is it gonna fall out of the sky, or how do we get it?" And right. that was like, kind of not what what you're saying, but not what you're saying. It's like that. Her she was trying to develop her perception
2: yeah. of how the yeah. whole
0: God thing works. You know, you tell yeah. me this, this that there's this God that's gonna provide and protect me. So how do I communicate with him? And how is he gonna respond and how does this work? And I do feel like that is dialogue that needs to be had because a lot of times when you try to open up questioning uh, in a church or a a mosque or a synagogue or whatever, people will just shut you down and just, just believe. Just don't, you're doing too much. Just believe, have faith, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. but I've never, I was with the, the same kid who had a bunch of questions that always would get smacked with the little fan with that mm-hmm. fan that with Martin Luther King going that we have in the South and in, in the church. Cause we ain't <laughs> had no AC and, and Grammy smacked me with the fan. Cause I'm asking too many questions. What's
2: that? Oh.
1: oh, that, that is so powerful. That gave me goosebumps. Oh, man. Um, exactly why I wrote is God a she? because, um, man, if I could tell you, you're not the only one that got smacked with the fan. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is like our experience. I, I talked to people, I talked to someone today about that exact same experience. Oh, yeah,
0: you but, get smacked with that fan.
1: Oh, man, it, 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 it causes a trauma around God um, that doesn't necessarily need to be there. You know, we, in Christianity and in spirituality, we're not allowed to go beyond certain boundaries. Yeah. And the illusion is that's for our safety, right? You know, like, don't go over there because there's evil over there, you know. But since Adam and Eve, there's been knowledge of good and evil. Mm -hmm. So if we have the knowledge, it actually removes the fear instead of enhancing it. And so I don't think that knowledge is ever a bad thing. And I think it's important for little brown girls and little brown boys to understand that, you know, when you walk into a church or like you said, a synagogue, a mosque, something there represents you. Yeah. You know, whether it's an image or whether it's um, in words or in speaking, like someone has to acknowledge that God is, to me, you know, and I don't, you don't, nobody has to believe what I believe, but I just want people to explore and feel okay, um, about exploring. It, it, it was so hard to write this book because, like I said, I have a reverence for spirituality and for Christianity. Um, Mm -hmm. but I needed, you know, just like many people and like you just said, I needed answers too. And, even in my ministry and studying the word of God and other spiritual practices, um, I still have tons of questions and I had to make it okay for me to ask those questions. And um, that's why it's really powerful to me. Yeah.
0: And I was looking over, I was on a treadmill and I was mm-hmm. looking over the, uh, the copy that you sent me.
2: And mm-hmm.
0: My favorite out of there is a pre-order. I like <laughs> I like pre-order. Yes, <laughs> because from from my perspective, a, a lot of people that I know, including myself, the way I the way I looked at it, you know what I got out of it. A lot of people that I know. We believed whatever we believe because that's what we were told. Yeah. It came yeah. pre This is already it was already pre-packaged when I got here, it was already decided for me that this is what you believe
2: yes.
0: and you're supposed to just run with that. So yeah. when I saw it, just the title alone, I was like, whoa, whoa!" Wow. did a little stutter step on the treadmill, but yeah, yeah. that's, that's my favorite right there. pre ordered oh, I, I
1: like that.
2: that.
1: So much. Yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, I'll tell you, anybody that reads anything I do, I am over the moon about it because I just want to reach people so badly. And so thank you so much for that affirmation. Um, Yeah, you know, Pre-Ordered is a short poem, but I think it's really powerful. Um, One of the lines is, um, wearing my red lipstick, singing a gospel song with an R&B twist. (laughs) Yeah. And that, that statement right there, which readers wouldn't know this about me, so I'll give you a little tidbit. Um, the church that I grew up in was very conservative, like they did not allow drums in the church Mm -hmm. because it was, you know, sister, so-and-so said that drums were evil and they were from the devil. And so (laughs) the drums, yeah, even the drums were not allowed in our church. Um, so it's like, I remember when Kirk Franklin first came out and all of the youth choir, we were pumped to sing Kirk Franklin. You know, we wanted to sing stomp and stuff like that. And we were getting the side eye by some of the church elders. Cause it was like, Oh no, no, that that's a little bit too much. You know, are you going a little bit too far? You know, that that sounds more like worldly music.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, I I can't lie. When Kirk Franklin gets going, you know, he, it just sounds like he could throw in an MF or, or N word anywhere in there at any given time when he gets going.
1: Oh, Franklin!
0: But it's, it's <laughs> it, it it it. I feel like it does its job because it gets you moving, and mm-hmm. music is about a feeling. It's about an energy. If yeah. it, if the music doesn't make you feel anything, then why? That's the whole sentence. Why? <laughs>
1: Absolutely, yeah. I I could do a whole podcast on Kirk Franklin, but we won't even. We ain't got time for all that.
0: Well, you know, um, you always welcome back.
1: Why not? Thank you.
0: Well, I uh, okay. So, what I'm interested in, yes. I'm hearing all of the things that you that you've done with rapping and this and so on and so forth. How did you end up in the industry? How did you decide to go to do that too?
1: Okay, very good question. Um, so it has been a very difficult journey for me to accept that I am a minister. Mm -hmm. Um, even at times still today, I'll say I'm a teacher, not a preacher. Um, but what had happened was, um, I was connecting just life happened and I kept connecting with black ministers, um, especially female ministers and, um, my ex happens to be a black lesbian female minister Mm -hmm. and through her, I connected with other ministries and I was in Atlanta and went to a primarily LGBT black church in Atlanta. And my eyes were truly opened when this is what I mean when I say representation matters, Mm -hmm. that there were people there who were black, who were gay, lesbian, trans, who were worshiping God openly, and it was the first time I had seen something like that.
0: Um That's the first time that I've heard something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was like really astounded that it existed. Like I didn't know that was a thing um, and searching for a place to call home because um, I knew and I've known for a long time that there was a calling on my heart to have a ministry, to reach people and to share the love of God with people. And um, I had been running away from it and running away from it because I was like, nah, that can't be me. I mean, it just didn't even sound right for people to call me like pastor. I was like, Mm-mm, that that's not cool. And I was doing a bunch of things that um, probably would not be seen Christian-like. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I was like, man, I'm cool on that. And um, but what happened was when I came back home to Kansas, um, I was working with the lady who asked me to marry her. And I was like, girl, I can't marry you. Like, I'm not a minister like that. And she goes, well, you are to me and I want you to marry me and my fiance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, I can't I can't do that. And I was like, I don't have the titles. I don't have the credentials, you know? And she was adamant. She was not gonna take no for an answer. So she was like, I I can get this. I'm gonna get you this paperwork so that you can marry me. And I said, okay, I'll do it. You know, Um, very reluctantly, I did it. And then after I, I officiated her wedding ceremony, I realized that there was an opportunity for me to share and um, offer those same services to same sex couples.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because if you're a lesbian or gay, or you're in a trans couple, like you, you can understand how hard it is to find anybody to marry you.
0: Yeah. Cause you know? I saw the stories about people like not wanting to perform services, not wanting to have it at their venue or don't wanna make the cake and so on and so forth.
1: Absolutely. And so I was like, ooh, I can use this. Like I can use this in my activism, you know, and I can help people get married. And I am proud to say that I have married now 10 couples. Um, So I'm really excited about that. And after that first um, wedding ceremony and realizing that I had an opportunity that kind of brought me back around to opening my heart about spirituality and actually being a minister. And, you know, like I said, I was running away from it and I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Mm. And then, um, I realized, um, that first of all I can be authentically me and I don't know, I don't really owe anybody an explanation for who I am. Um, And that first, and it took me a long time to get to that place, but I'm there. (laughs) And then second of all, I connected with a community of faith that is led by a black lesbian minister in Kansas, where I live. And as I connected with that ministry, then I was able to actually move into, um, you know, studying more theology, Getting closer to actually preparing messages to deliver to people, and you know, and doing my thing. And I consider my part of ministry is the words,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, being champions for other marginalized artists. Um, I have a group that I work with now that are all marginalized artists, and that does not mean that they're all lesbian or gay. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a, a white guy in a uh, Virginia who's a horror fiction writer, you know, who I work with and mentor. Um, I have a lady who I work with who is married, uh, heterosexual straight woman, you know, but every person that I work with has some type of issue that is barring them from getting their words out to the world. And, um, It's a different little intersection, but it's right where I belong. You know, it's right where I fit. And it took a long time to get comfortable with myself and my position with God. Um, But I've got there now, and I want to help other people be okay with who they are as well.
2: Okay.
0: That's a great segue. Because every time I have someone on my show, no matter who they are or what they do, before I let them leave, I always ask them. Mm -hmm. For a moment of sort of inspiration, motivation for the people. Mm -hmm. So for anybody out there that's listening that may be struggling with finding their place or feeling marginalized or like they're being uh, 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 stopped from getting their point of view, getting their elephant out there. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What advice can you give to them?
1: Oh, man. Um, (laughs) okay Okay. let me get serious for just a minute um first of all as human beings we all were have been given a very unique and special gift um for artists it's whatever your artistry is And for me, I see art in everything. Like if you're an accountant, you're an artist to me because I don't want to do numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. If you are an engineer, you're an artist to me. Like whatever you do, you've been given a gift. Now the challenge is, and to me, the meaning of life is how do we express and share that gift? And so two things, real easy and real quick is one, You have got to get out of your own way. Like we, through self-doubt, low self-esteem, through having a stack of stuff that you've got in the corner that you do nothing with, um, if you've got canvases that are painted on and they're sitting in your basement, if um, whatever it is that someone does, whatever your higher power or lack thereof um has given you as a gift it's your purpose to share it um there is somebody that is in need of that gift and I say all the time that you don't have to be everything to everybody Mm. like I am really horrible at numbers like I'm not even joking about that don't ask me to do your taxes. Cause you're going to be owing off.
0: You're going to jail. <laughs> please,
1: please Don't do it. Um, but that's okay. Because guess what? There's other people who have the gift of numbers that I can go to. Yeah. You don't have to be, um, uh, uh, you don't have to be like that barber. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can be an okay barber and that's fine. You know, because some people need a haircut. That's okay. Like, I'm in a hurry. I need to get somewhere. You don't have to m- master your gift in order to share it.
2: Mm.
1: And and when I say I make no apologies because if that if it wasn't for the struggles, if it wasn't for me being like what I consider a failed rapper, <laughs> if it wasn't for running away from God and spirituality, if it wasn't for me trying to be okay with my sexuality and my Christian beliefs. If it wasn't for all of those challenging obstacles, I would not be here before you now with a total of five published books and 14 that I've helped other people publish. Nice. It is, that's the journey. And so I think the goal is what I want to do is inspire anyone listening that don't first of all, feel like, it's never good enough um, because you are good enough right where you are. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be authentic. Um, when, and I'll leave with this little piece of advice that a friend gave me. When I was first writing poems, uh, a collection of poems, it's been about 10 years now, I would go to my friends and I'd ask them to listen to my stuff. And you know, I'd preface it by like, okay, this poem's really horrible, but will you listen to
0: it? Yeah, and you already told me it was trash, so now I think it's trash.
1: Right, right? But I, a really good friend of mine, and I sat down with her one night, and I read a bunch of poems. And, you know, each one, I was like, eh, I don't like this one, eh, I don't like that one. And so when I got done, she said, maybe it's not for you to like. Mm. And I was like, What? Like, (laughs) excuse me? And she's like, maybe it's not for you to like it. Maybe it's for somebody else to gain something from it. So you liking or not liking what you've written is pretty much irrelevant to the art. Mm. And um, that was probably the most powerful advice I've ever had and that I try to share with other people, especially creatives, that um, sometimes you create something and if you don't share it, like, that's not, it's not about you. Get out of your own way. Let the creative process speak for itself. Try to be as authentic as you can. And um, self-doubt does us no glory or honor. Um, all it does is keep you from getting what you have out into the world. Yeah. And so, Go ahead. No, I, I just think that, um, that's
0: my little soapbox moment. Da, da, da. I like that. I've, I've been trying to get that through to my daughter. She just turned 12 th- uh, mm-hmm. last month. And she mm-hmm. draws. She does this anime, these anime style drawings. And she's yes. she's gotten good at it. But to her, it's like, it's never good enough. It's so now, what are people going to think? People probably won't like it. And I'm like, to you, you're the artist. It's never going to be perfect to you. But to us, I can't draw, so yes. everything that you make to me is amazing.
2: Absolutely.
0: Like how did you take a pencil and do that? But then to her, she looks at. She'll sit in here because she she'll be here in like two weeks. She's living in California right now, so she comes like every six weeks, eight weeks. They get a break. She fly her in, fly her back out, and she'll sit here and watch me do the a podcast. And she's yes. like, "How do you do that? How do you sit there?" and talk mm-hmm. to people or or just make fine stuff to talk about and talk by yourself and I'm like I, I don't know same way that you draw that stuff it's just this is my canvas it just comes out once I hit that mic it just starts to come out same way you pick up your pencil and and it just starts to come
1: out mm, absolutely but, it's a gift it's a gift and we need to honor it as gifts you know and know that um, it, gifts are for sharing. It doesn't anybody know good if I have a gift and I just hide it. You know, in the word of God, it talks about, um, you know, let your light shine before men. And, you know, it's it's a literal light. Like you got to shine it. If you just keep sitting it, hiding it, putting it in, can't nobody else get illumination if you just keep hiding it you know? And so I hope and pray that she will recognize that she has a gift. And even though we don't feel, you know, I don't feel ever confident that I'm a minister. I don't ever feel confident that I'm a poet um, or a writer. But what I can say is that I've got to the point where I'm not scared to share it anymore. And, um, you know, you might like some, you might not like some, but if if anybody gains anything from anything I've written, I'm over the moon, man. I Just like I said, when you said you like pre-order, I was like, woo, yes, somebody, mm-hmm. somebody gets it. So absolutely. I hope yes, that she okay. learned that, you know, it ain't got to be perfect, baby. Just share it. It's going to be all right.
0: Yeah. So before I let you go, because, you know, I know you you got a lot going on. So I know you got something to do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where can people find your work if they're interested in checking out, you know, um, Is God a She or Who Molested My Elephant or any of your other work? Where can they find that?
1: Absolutely. So, since I learned that very hard lesson about (laughs) (laughs) ex-libris, you can find me on Amazon now, self-published. So, I have an author page on Amazon under Starla Har, that's S-T-A-R-L-A, Last name, C-A-R-R, underneath those titles. And you can find my author page. All of my books are there. Um, I love to give away little freebies on my social media. And I'm trying, I'm an old lady, so I'm trying to get with the social medias. But um, (laughs) on Facebook, I am author Starla Carr, once again with two R's. At word work, the poet. That's W E R K. Um, oops, sorry. At W E R D W E R K D A P O E T on social media, um, and I give away lots of little freebies. Um, I do collective poetry on my page quite often, where I will just ask someone to give um, the people on my page to give me a word or a concept. And I will create art for you. Um, um, there's lots of little clips of my poems and things like that on my uh, author page. And um, if anybody's interested in and uh, need your story told, you need somebody to write it for you, I do that. You can hit me up on my author page. And um, I just really, like I said, I appreciate this opportunity to share.
0: And thank you for taking the time out to talk to me. Um, Y'all make sure y'all go over there and check out Starla Carr. Check out that uh, Is God a She. I like that. You're going to like that uh, pre-order. If you check it out, hit me up if you you read this and let me know which one was your favorite. Hit her up and let you know which one was your favorite. Thank you once again for coming out and talking to me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. This was fun. (laughs)
0: I'm glad. And to all my listeners, as
2: always, I love and appreciate each and every last one of y'all, and we out of here.